Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And a very warm welcome to you to St. George's Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. We're glad that you're here on this 50th day after Easter, on the day when the church celebrates the Feast of the Pentecost, when we celebrate the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, or who will conf- as we'll confess in the Nicene Creed, He's the Lord, the giver of life, and He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and just as Jesus promised, He, he gave us the Holy Spirit, making His abiding presence not only uh, with us, but for us, and importantly also, in us. And dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit unites Christians. There's a really diverse group of people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different neighborhoods. The Holy Spirit unites us, making the church the body of Christ. And as we are, by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, We are Jesus to the world. Now, the world is always attempting to unify us around various and sundry issues and causes. Maybe you've seen the coexist bumper stickers. I loathe those things, you know, because it's just, it's such an abstraction. I mean, go to the West Bank today and tell a Palestinian who had his house bulldozed by the Israeli government, hey man, coexist, you know? Tell somebody who, uh, who's lost a son in the war in Ukraine, hey, everybody, just kind of coexist. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an abstraction and it's empty. And that's typically the way the world tries to unify us. I was walking uh, down the streets of Manhattan the other day and I passed by a bank and the bank said, we are unified in our diversity. And I was like, that's wonderful, <laughs> except when I maybe need an extension on paying back that loan, right? And then get out of here. So, but, uh, you know, it's all nonsense, really. Unity. You know, unity apart from the gospel. Our Old Testament reading speaks of a time when the world attempted to unify around language. Now, it's important to note in Genesis chapter 9 and 10, after Noah's flood, God commands the offspring of Noah and their descendants to spread out and be fruitful and multiply. This was a reiteration of the creation mandate that God gave Adam and Eve, because as the land begins to come up, the idea is that this is a new creation. So go forth into the world and be fruitful and multiply. However, what do we see in Genesis chapter 11? These people take it upon themselves to settle. This isn't God's mandate. They take it upon themselves to settle near Shinar with an ambitious plan to not only build a city, but build a huge tower to heaven in order to meet God on their own terms. This is the point, to meet God on their own terms. The city and the tower was called Babel which interestingly forms the root word for Babylon, which in the Bible is always an attestation of the ambitious plans of humanity to be not only like God, that's the original sin in the Garden of Eden, 
So, but to be like God and then ultimately usurp God. The narrative of Genesis chapter 11 reminds us that the ambitions of humanity, Babylon, without God, ultimately results in nothing more than confusion and chaos. History testifies to this fact. The news testifies to this fact. The author's point in Genesis chapter 11, the story of Babel, is that this confusion of language actually was a protective measure of judgment by God, lest a united humanity does something worse. Because unity without God is ultimately nothing more than tower building. And this is my first point on this Pentecost Sunday. You know, you're going to hear, you hear a lot of folks talk about how Pentecost undoes the curse of Babylon, but it's not true. I'm about to go to Spain, and I'm going to experience that firsthand, because, I mean, even though I've been working on my Spanish, it's not that great. <laughs> the diversity of language remains. The confusion of Babel in humanity has not been undone. And this is what makes Pentecost so important. What makes it actually stand out is that what we celebrate is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the great gift of the ultimate unifier of humanity, who reminds people of their common need for the same Savior. This is what unifies us as people is our common need for the same Savior, Jesus Christ. As we confessed in the opening of our liturgy, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. At communion, you and I, this is the symbol. You and I partake from one bread and one cup. It's the Holy Spirit reminding us that we are united in Christ and we are being made not into a tower, but as St. Paul reminds us in Corinthians, a holy and living temple where God's Spirit is now pleased to dwell. And that, my friends, is the peace. It begins to shed light on the peace that Christ gives and the only way we can ultimately be united without destroying one another in the process. It's the gospel. It's profound when you begin to think about it. Our unity as a people, our unity as a people does not come from a common strength. That's what the world offers you, a common strength. And the problem is, is that it's constantly changing because none of us are ultimately strong enough to keep it unified. Rather, our unity comes out of a profound common need. A common need for God's grace. A common need for God's mercy. A common need for forgiveness, which the Holy Spirit given to us provides in constant abundance. You begin to see this with our reading from the book of Acts. 
I thought that was amazing, all of those different languages, all at one moment. The Feast of Pentecost. A lot of people don't know this, but it's connected with the Jewish celebration of the Feast of Shavuot, which a lot of our Jewish friends are celebrating today and this weekend. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks, and it's a harvest festival. And if you read uh, the rest of Acts chapter 2, there are 3,000 added to their number that day. You know, and it's kind of a sign of where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So this is the first sign, the harvest of people becoming into the kingdom of heaven. But the Feast of Shavuot takes place 50 days after uh, the Passover. And what it does is it commemorates God giving Moses the law on Mount Sinai. So if you remember, the Passover lamb is sacrificed in the homes. And God says, paint the blood on the doorpost and I will pass over. When I see it, I will pass over you. And then 50 days later, they're there on the top of Mount Sinai and they're given the law. And there's smoke, there's wind, there's fire. This is the imagery that Luke is tapping into. Exodus and Ezekiel. It's not random. And so there they are. And this is a huge festival. And as we read, Jews had come in from all over the diaspora of the Roman Empire. And one of the unique aspects in Second Temple to Judaism of the Feast of Shavuot was that um, basically only the authorized leaders of the Sanhedrin, the temple class, the religious class, were allowed, the religious elite, those were the ones who were allowed to conduct and read the liturgy. And the Feast of Shavuot in those days was done completely in Hebrew. So if you were a proselyte from Libya, as we read about, you might not have a clue as to what's going on. Yet here, 50 days after the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, the great Passover from death into eternal life, There's once again wind. There's once again fire. There are tongues, and God begins to speak. Yet he begins to speak not through the extraordinary qualified men of the Sanhedrin, a.k.a. that's what the world would say is strength. No, he begins to speak through 11 ordinary men from Galilee. Weakness. Foolishness. St. Paul says the weakness and foolishness of God is the, uh, the, the world is, is strength and wisdom. But these men are touched by the Holy Spirit. And if you read the text closely, this is why the crowds are actually astonished. Not because the apostles are speaking in some sort of weird angelic language, but because not authorized by the law of the ceremony, they are preaching the mighty acts of God, not just in Hebrew, but in every language that was present. And the mighty acts of God are this. Here's the summary. God has delivered the people of Israel and gave the Jewish people the law in Sinai, has now fulfilled the law in the person and work of Jesus, establishing a new covenant, and now people from every tongue, tribe, and nation are invited into this fold as God's people. And this is my second point. 
You hear the unity running throughout this passage. Actually, unity in the midst of great diversity. But unity is the great gift of Pentecost. That God, by virtue of the mighty acts of His Son, Jesus, has made you and I His people. And He has established now a new covenant in His blood, where our Lord gives us not ten commandments to fulfill, but one message to proclaim, that Christ is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, and by his work he justifies you before your heavenly Father in heaven. This is why it's tongues that fall upon the apostles and not hands of fire. Unless, of course, they attended St. Anne's for the deaf. But this, because, and it's, it's tongues of fire, because the mighty works of God are the finished work of Jesus. And because the, finished, the work of Jesus is finished for you, there's nothing left for us to do but to proclaim and share this message and believe it. Share it with our neighbor. Now, the world is always going to remain skeptical of this. I mean, surely there's something we got to do. We'll scratch God's back and then he'll scratch ours. The world will always be skeptical of this. We read today that some wrote it off as drunkenness. And sadly, in the church, Sadly, in the church, the church is a religious babble talking about everything but the gospel. So no wonder there's such confusion in the world as to what we're to be about. However, this is how the Holy Spirit applies the mighty works of God to our lives. By the revealing of the extraordinary gift of Jesus through ordinary ways. The Spirit is at work through the preaching of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, not life tips. The Spirit is at work in ordinary water, bread and wine, attaching those promises of the gospel to those things and making baptism and Holy Communion an extraordinary assurance that God in Christ is always for you no matter what. The Spirit continues to assure us of His peace and His presence as He works through prayer ministry, and He works through devotion groups, and He works through our Sunday school teachers. <laughs> is that it? May seem ordinary. But when the church is touched by the Holy Spirit, as he's doing right now, the ordinary becomes extraordinary because there the peace of God is actually offered. And this is my third point. Just like that amazing day 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit, never forget this church, is still at work amongst us. But he's at work amongst us through our need, unifying us in the name of one Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is still at work among us, humbly and sometimes hidden, delivering the peace of Jesus. 
As Jesus said, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Because that's the peace of Jesus. And it comes to you now and today the way it always does. Hidden, but with the eyes of faith we see something extraordinary. Because that's the peace of sins forgiven. The peace of knowing that you will stand before God on the last day justified. The peace of ultimately having death conquered for you. That's the peace of eternal life and the promise of resurrection to life. That's what Pentecost is all about. Peace and joy. Unifying us in the gospel and making us one. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.